Um, welcome to FPFO. Thank you guys for being here. You're watching on YouTube. Appreciate you tuning in. Subscribe, like, comment, share with a friend, tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, Spotify, all DSPs. You can catch us there at For Panthers Fans Only. Um, Instagram, TikTok, at For Panthers Fans Only. Threads, at For Panthers Fans Only. <laughs> um, Twitter, X, at C-A-R-F-P-F-O. Um, I'm your host, JJ. This is my co-host, Terrence. I didn't want to really even give him a chance yet because I'm going to tell y'all why he going to cook today. <laughs> so I'm going to chill. But I want to just tell a story. Wait, before you tell that, I can already see how stressful this week was because that vape I just hit was so burnt. So I know Terrence was in that stadium <laughs> smoking the hell out of that thing. Yeah, it was just, I mean. And Jake. Yeah. <laughs> Stress levels must have been high. <laughs> I can taste it because that shit is brand new. Yeah. It was it was bad. Um, so Monday night football, right? I get it, matter of fact, I got a text message probably about two or three weeks ago, four weeks ago maybe preseason game, couple of days before the Detroit Lions game, to hold the flag before the game. Cool, can't do it. I'm going out to, out of town. I'm in Mexico. She's like, perfect. Got a great opportunity for you then, since you can't do that one. You can do Monday night football. So I said, okay, great. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity like that. My co-host, he tried to tell me not to go. We got to the tailgate yesterday, got to drinking. Shout out to Roar and Riot, $3 drinks. All you can drink, all you can eat until it's gone. I mean, <laughs> can't beat that. Go, you know, great experience. Go to the practice field. We do our rehearsal. You know, we on a damn artificial turf. Feels great. We walk over to the stadium. We in the tunnel, walk underneath. I mean, just a phenomenal experience. Phenomenal experience. We come out, cool. We chilling on the sideline. The Saints come out. And, I mean, you know, it's great, great, again, great experience. Very, very surreal. Um, But then at some point, the football and the competitor in me just comes out. So I just start mean mugging niggas, just seeing what type of energy they on. Just so happened that I, I, you know, I get beside, I don't know if he practice squad, if he injured. Long story short, I don't know the nigga. But <clears throat> I get beside him, and he's staring at me. So, okay, cool, I'm staring at him. Like, nigga, I don't know what you thought, but it's not that. So we just, you know, get to staring at each other, whatever. Niggas having to stare off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Carolina Panthers come out, you know, they come out the tunnel, cute little whatever the fuck. Everything, matter of fact, let me not start, because I told him I'm going to let you cook today. And he like, he just staring at me, he said, "Mm." yeah, them niggas sweet, them niggas weak as fuck. I said, Huh? He said, yeah, them niggas sweet. They weak as fuck. I said, okay, you'll see. All right? But I, I, I tell that story in, in wrapping that up to tell y'all as a fan base, this is what other motherfuckers in the league see us as. Pussy. Food. Sweet. Soft. I seen, I, I don't know if it was on Twitter. I believe it was on Twitter. 
and a fan. I don't know if it was uh, Dave from PMP. I don't remember who it was. I'm not, so don't don't quote me. But you know, he said that over the past five or six years, you know, we've been demanding respect as a fan base. But every single year, we do shit that doesn't warrant respect. So then you have teams that look at a schedule, and when they see the Carolina Panthers on it, they get aroused because they damn near know that they can put one additional win in the win column. That's what this team has become. That's what this organization currently is. Um, There's a whole lot of shit that I can get into, and, you know, usually I like – with the introduction, I'll, I I like getting my shit off and, and kind of rambling the first five to six minutes, and then I let Terrence cook. But it's just so much. It's so much that I feel like I need to say and get off my chest that I'm not going to do that today, and we're just going to segment it. So I'm going to give this shit to Terrence, and I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all um, it's not going to be pretty. The profanity levels probably will be high. So if you're not accustomed to that and you're new here, this is kind of how we give it up. But it's, but 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 we got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to go through. We got niggas trying to fight in the tunnel after the game. After they just got mopped up. We got a head coach that that that's that's giving me PTSD. Because when I listen to his interviews and I listen to the press conferences and then I'm in the stadium and I'm watching the games, I, 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 I feel like it's last year, two years ago, with Matt Rule on the sideline, with some of the way he go, with, with some of the things that he says and some of the ways that he goes about certain things, I, I get PTSD. It's a lot to go, it's a, it's a lot to go through. And, I mean... It's not it's not pretty right now. It's not pretty right now. Uh yeah. I, I had a lot of time to to think on this. I'm a, I'm gonna try to keep it cool. Uh I just got done watching film. Um and I mean it, it's a lot of shit that is just not what we think it is, honestly. Um and I start this by saying this like you know, a lot of people already, <laughs> they be on my ass because, you know, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. A lot of people hate Carolina because of me in particular. But uh, telling everybody at work, you know, they know I done been to the Atlanta game, going to this game, left work early type shit. Um, and so I already knew when I got back in the office that it was just going to be a bunch of bullshit. Which, I mean, they kept it cool, honestly. But... I, I was just getting asked about the game all day today, and it kind of really just pissed me off. Not that they was asking, but the fact that they're like, oh, how was the game? I'm like, the experience is always good. The team just fucking sucks. That that That's how I had to put it. Um, and like I said, we're going to break it down a lot. Um, but, yeah, that that's simply put for what happened Monday night. Um it was just an embarrassment after I was able to watch the film, look at certain stuff, um, look at certain plays, injuries. Um, yeah. And so I'll start this by saying this. 
we didn't win the offseason how we thought we did. I'll go ahead and say that now. All all them pieces we picked up in the offseason, that shit looked cute on paper. If you go and watch the film, we didn't we didn't win the offseason like we think we did. Um and I got ridiculed by JJ by probably a lot of other people when I said that cuz Tavian brought up that we're we're probably going to start the season off 0 and 6. Um and coming into the season after we hired Frank Wright and we were like what what are our, our expectations of him? And I'm like based off the type shit team we had last year the coaching change in the middle of the season, um, trading Christian McCaffrey, and still being one game out from making the playoffs. J.C. Horn getting hurt. I think that played a big factor in that. And Dante Jackson, was he on the field? He wasn't even on the field that last game. No, he wasn't. He was out the whole season. So yeah, He was out uh, from the Thursday night game against Atlanta. Yeah, so that, that played a big factor. And I was like, my expectations, I just feel like, I mean, you have to win your division this year. Like, it, of course, you're not coming into the, the best situation. But, I mean, you have a chance to start fresh, start new, full offseason. You have the number one pick. Like, that's my expectations. And I got ridiculed because I was like, if he goes out, we start 0-6 or it just looks like bullshit then I might have to call for that nigga job. But everybody like, oh, oh, first-year coach, first-year coach. But based off of what I'm seeing, that fucking play calling, it's just terrible. Like, I don't understand why we go out and form this all-star coaching uh, staff, go and get the guy from the Rams, go and get bro from the Broncos, the D coordinator, who we know he's probably going to be up for a head coaching job after this season. So the defense can look totally different. I don't know why we're going to get an offensive coordinator, uh, offensive coordinator and he not called a please. Like, to me, that doesn't make sense. I don't know about you. I was under the belief that Frank Wright would do some of the play calling uh, duties throughout preseason. But I was thinking that it would go into bro hands during the season. Um, yeah, and I, I think that that was the general consensus within the fan base because I was watching Dunk last night, and Dunk was like, you know, Thomas Brown was in Bryce Young's helmet the whole the whole training camp with the walkie-talkie. So I don't know when that changed. I don't know when the level of trust switched from we trust you to we don't. But... Yeah, I was under the belief of that, but continue before I go. Yeah, and so, and now we just get to the season, and Frank Wright, I don't know if this is a fucking ego trip, a pissing contest. I don't know what it is and why he felt like he's the head coach. He feels like he has to call call the plays. Nigga, you're not fucking Mike McCarthy. You You don't get that privilege, nigga. So I don't even understand why... That's even a thought. Now that you just told me that, it really don't even make sense of why he's calling the plays. And you've seen how the offense has looked the past two weeks. We we have no chunk plays. Can't we start off moving the ball down the field, undisciplined, takes ourselves out of the opportunity to put seven on the board. So now we gotta kick all these fucking field goals. 
the play calling, these little screen plays, they not working. Um, just the sequence of the play calling doesn't make sense. It, it's a lot of things that are off with this, and I, I'm really like I, I really don't understand it. Like so, my challenge to Frank Wright is, you need to do some self evaluation. You need to go. You need to do something. But I need to see a drastic change within the next couple of weeks. Next week, matter of fact. And that starts by you letting bro call the fucking plays because that's what we hired him for. We hired him as an offensive coordinator to call the plays. Not for you to be over there with the play sheet and Bryce's helmet telling them what to do. And then I'm looking at film, and one of the plays, he didn't even get to play out to Bryce. He had to run over to the sideline to fucking get it. So you tell me what the fuck are you doing. And so it's just little stuff like that that really plays a factor into how the team has been playing over the past two weeks. But that that's just that's step number one. But you can go ahead. Um, I mean, I guess we'll start here since we're already here. Or would you like to go through the stats first? Actually, can you can you turn yourself down just a little bit? Yeah. Like just be on with me. Am I you're one. <clears throat> like you used to you used to hold your mic down here. That's why you like. That's why you were up. Yeah. Now you hold that shit up, so you got to be with me. He had something to say today. Yeah, he did. I, I know. Um, I ain't finished yet. Yeah, no. Good I, plug I think on Mike McCarthy though. Yeah. Um. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why you acknowledged it. Would you like to go through the stats first, or would you like me to make my statement to Frank Wright? You go ahead and make your statement since we already here. Cool. Long story short, Frank Wright. And see, this is this is the thing about our owner. He's a great businessman, right? So everything he does is is to to make money. Everything he does is to make money. The reason why the turf has not changed is because he wants to maximize his profit. We don't have to, you know, we we get the soccer teams in here. We can rip that shit up. We can put a concert, uh, have a concert here. Um, you know, shit like that. Cool. The whole Rock Hill project or Pink Hill, whatever the, wherever the fuck it was supposed to be. That went to shit because he got money hungry. He didn't want to pay that shit out. He likes making shit seem pretty. But when you rip off the rapper, it ain't that. So we bring, mind you, Steve. Now, and I don't want to. I don't want to go back too far, because this ain't what that is today. Steve Wilkes turned a, a bullshit program into a playoff contender in the span of four or five weeks. Legitimately, we went to Seattle, turned that bitch up, and everything looked a lot different. Now, did we get the job done against Pittsburgh the following week? Absolutely not. Uh, who do we play after that? I don't even know. Like I said, I don't want to go back that far. But okay, cool. But to me, my whole stance was throughout the summer was this guy has proven himself unless the statement was if you don't make the playoffs, then you're not getting the head coaching job, which I assume, okay, cool. Then I hear, you know, it's because he didn't want to go in the same direction as the organization. He wanted Anthony Richardson as his quarterback, which sitting at number 10, 
I mean, maybe you go up two or three spots, you get your hands on Anthony Richardson, but you keep DJ Moore, you keep keep your first round pick for next year. Whatever may have you. Okay, cool, but let's just fast forward. So you decide to bring in Frank Reich. And, you know, it was cute. It was cool. It's a fucking reunion. Cool. He was our first starting quarterback ever through the first Carolina Panthers touchdown. You know, they it, the whole summer they make the shit cute. The whole summer they make the shit cute. But in all actuality, we have to look back to about nine or ten months ago when Frank Wright lost his job with the Indianapolis Colts to a fucking ESPN analyst that had never called it down to football in his life. So at some point we have to we have to look at Frank Wright like that because I think for I, I speak for me personally. I don't want to speak for the fan base because a lot of y'all niggas' ideologies ain't identical to mine, and y'all don't think about football the way that I do. For me, I I I, I got caught up in the in the cute shit slightly, not even slightly. I got caught up in the cute shit wholeheartedly. And then I'm sitting up at 544 last night. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, yeah, that's right. This motherfucker ain't worth a fuck. Frank Reich, this offense that you're trying to run is not going to cut it. Because I hate to tell you, Miles Sanders is not Jonathan Taylor. The offensive line that we have currently is not the offensive line that you had in Indianapolis, uh, Jonathan Taylor's rookie season. So all of this, you going in the press conference talking about we got to stay the course, and if we stay the course, we get into a, a couple more third down and manageables, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want I'm gonna go ahead and tell y'all right now, and I can feel my I can feel myself getting hot. I don't want to see that fucking weak ass ISO halfback dive two times in a row for the rest of the fucking season. He did it last week when we were in Atlanta, and it was third and two when we first possession, third and two. We're in there, we're in the red zone, third and two. You run the shit with Chuba the first time, and you run it with Chuba the second time on fourth and inches and change the whole momentum of the game. I've seen the same damn play about 10 times consecutively yesterday or last night, Monday night football. I'm done, I'm done looking at that shit. I can go ahead and tell you because that's going to drive me over the edge. Then we got to go into the press conference, and people ask you because – you know, I don't know. Maybe this fan base is actually starting to get a backbone finally. But already, a lot of y'all are calling for, for, for him to switch over them OC responsibilities already, which I commend y'all for. Because it's like y'all finally understand it a little bit. So perfect. Then we go into the press conference. I don't know if it was Joe Person. It might have been Dave Newitt. It might have been Vastar. It was somebody. Paraphrasing here, but they ask Frank, at what point 
do you think you might want to give off play calling responsibilities? And the underlying statement there is because the fucking bullshit you running right now ain't working. And the way he answered just rubbed me wrong. Like, ugh, the audacity of you to ask me that. Well, fuck, nigga. I ain't going to lie to you. Uh, we were going to give you until the bye week at least. Because I knew he was p- calling the plays week one. It was strange to me then, but I didn't think it would be an issue. Because, you know, he went in the press conference and had to explain himself for going for it on fourth and inches. And then explain himself in the press conference on why he ran the same play back to back times. So I knew he was calling the plays, but um, already as a fan base, we're a little agitated. Already as the media, we're a little agitated. And for you to sit there and, and, and give that response, like you're so much higher and, and your offensive strategies and shit are proving so much more. When I hate to tell you, Frank Reich, that's just simply not the case, brother. It's just simply not the case. The offense that we're running right now is stale. We can't move the football down the field. We got a turnover last night from Von Bell. Finally, a big turnover, a momentum shifter. We didn't get a turnover last week. Don't get me wrong, defense has been playing excellent in my opinion, but we finally get a turnover. We get the ball, what, down to the 40? And don't score. And, and, and don't score a touchdown? Matter of fact, I don't even – do we even score? I can't Is that remember. when Bryce fumbled? That might have been. I Bryce fumbles the football. Cool. Um, the offense that we're running right now doesn't help your wide receivers that can't win routes currently. The offense that we're running right now doesn't help your five, ten and a half quarterback see over the line anymore or get the ball out any faster. The offense that we're running right now is not taking into account that your real starting right guard is injured in Austin Corbett. And so now we're having to play Cade fucking Mays, who when he comes in, the offensive line just looks like a completely different unit. But we'll dive into that a little bit later. So, so all of that being said, Frank Reich, I don't really understand why the response was what it was. And then another thing that pissed me off is that you don't want to take accountability for the performance that we're putting on from a play-calling standpoint. Yet you don't want to call anybody out for the execution. And then when my starting quarterback gets on the podium, he's saying that it got to be better execution. And, of course, he's trying to be, you know, Mr. Goody's in two shoes, no pun intended. And he's going to take all the responsibility on himself. But at what point do we look to this quote-unquote veteran NFL head coach and ask him what the fuck is he doing? But then he want to get emotional in his feelings, don't take responsibility, yet he doesn't hold anybody accountable. He just says the execution has to be better. Okay, cool. Well, who does the execution have to be better from? Is it your quarterback? Is it your wide receivers? Is it the off- offensive line? Who, who, who does the execution need to be better from? Because I can make the argument that you need to execute your game plan better when you're game planning throughout the week. It's, 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 it's very frustrating. And again, I'm trying to, you know, I've been telling people 
for the last 12, 14, 15, 16 hours that is growing pains and that we got to deal with it. And then I'm sitting at work today on my lunch break, and I go back and I watch the condensed version. That's all I had time for today. We had to get the podcast out for Wednesday morning. All I had time for today was the condensed version. And I seen the All-22 last night. Sober as can be. It's frustrating. So, you know, at some point you got to let Thomas Brown get free. You have to give him the rights to, to call in the plays because he did come from that McVay tree. And what we know is that right now, Sean McVay got Matthew Stafford and a bunch of fucking nobodies, with all due respect, competing with the best teams in the fucking NFL. Going blow for blow, week for week, with a nigga named Puka, I don't even know how the fuck to say his last name, carrying their offense, 15 catches, 13 catches. So it's something, it's something, because you said, I mean, there's just no way that you're telling me that a random fifth, a fifth round pick, random as hell, nobody knows who he is, is more elite than DJ Chark, is more elite than a veteran like Adam Thielen, and obviously, if Jonathan Mingo got drafted in the second round, he can't be more elite than him if we just go and base off that. So go ahead, swallow your pride, because I understand it's tough as a man. It's tough as a man having to admit, especially on the national stage. That's not anything that I ever had to deal with on a national stage. But as a man, I understand that it's tough to admit when you're wrong. Or it's tough to admit that you're just simply not good enough to do the job that you're currently doing. But at some point, you got to wake up, go in the bathroom, take your morning shit, wash the crust out your eyes, look at yourself in the mirror, and just admit to yourself, first and foremost, that I'm just simply not cut out for this shit. So let me go over here and, and do my head coaching duties, make sure everybody's getting on and off the field, you know, put my, my, my two cents in here and there. But the play calling duties already, I don't like it. It's stale as fuck. It's boring as hell. I mean, you know, at least if we lose by three points, I can deal with it if, if we give ourselves a, a fighting shot. The offense that we currently running, we're not even giving ourselves a fighting shot. And everybody want to gas up that last drive like we did some shit. They in prevent defense. We hitting on 10, 15-yard passes. Okay, cool. They in prevent defense. They know what they, you know, the clock is running out. They know what time it is. They know what time it is. Everybody want to gas that drive up. That drive ain't show me shit. Hate to tell y'all. Hate to tell y'all. Not to cut you off, but before we before we move on from that, like I don't think it would be it wouldn't be hard to admit if you didn't take over the play calling duties to start with. I don't understand how you take the ball out of somebody's hands who was quote-unquote calling the plays during training camp. I don't understand how you just make that decision that you're going to take over the play calling duties in a regular season. Like, I get that you're the head coach, but it, it at a certain point, it's like, no, that that's technically not really your job. That's what you brung in Thomas Brown for. That's what everybody was gassing him up for because they thought that he was going to be 
an elite play, play caller because he did come from the Sean McVay system. So it wouldn't be hard to admit if you didn't take over those duties to start with. And when I voiced my opinion about us even uh, hiring Frank Wright, and I was like, I don't know if this is the guy for the job uh, based off of his situation with Indy. Like, I don't really see him coming in and just turning this offense around. I got a call from an NFL player who was vouching for Frank Wright as he was one of those ones. But like you said, I'm starting to see he really ain't shit when it comes to an offensive play calling standpoint. And not to cut you off, I'm going to let you cook. But they told me before Frank Wright got here that they wanted an offensive-minded coach. Continue. I mean, that that's really all I got to say about that is like, I don't really know anybody that really, really wanted Frank. Well, I know me personally. I can't speak for everybody else. He wasn't my guy when we hired him. He wasn't my guy. And obviously my opinion doesn't fucking matter when it comes to the front office and them picking coaches and shit. But he, he just wasn't the guy that I wanted. But everybody told me to chill. Everybody told me to calm down, give it time, wait. And then this is the product that we've been getting for the past two weeks. Time of possession, 32-49 um, for the Saints, 27-11 for the Panthers. 341 total yards, 239 total yards, um, 207 passing yards compared to 139, 134 rushing yards compared to 100. 23 first downs to 14, three penalties to six. Each team had a turnover, four sacks apiece as well. 74 plays ran for the Saints and 56 for the Carolina Panthers. Um, Bryce Young, 22 of 33 for 153 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Miles Sanders, 43 yards on 14 attempts. An atrocity. <laughs> Bryce Young, two two rushes for 34 yards. Um he had that one big run at the end because I know the other run that he had was like he might have gained half a yard. Um, Chuba Hubbard, two carries for 18 yards. LaVisca Chenault, one carry for seven yards. Very, very puzzling to me. And I don't want to spend too much on the stats because we got a lot of shit to get into. And the intro took a while. Very, very puzzling to me on why we continue to run this stale offense and run the ball into the back of the fucking offensive line. But Chuba Hubbard isn't touching the ball with as efficient as he's been or being as efficient as he has been. First week we saw him cook up. He put you in position to win the game, and then your running back one fumbled the game away with all due respect to Miles because I'm a Miles fan, so I, I ain't going to do too much. And then last night he only touches the ball twice, and he gets eight yards a carry. Very puzzling. Same thing with LaVisca Chenault. He touches the ball one time. For seven yards, I mean, he had a phenomenal run. But it's very, I mean, it gives you cause for pause because it's just like the only way we can get the ball to LaVisca's hands in this offense is for him to run out of the shotgun formation. Neither here nor there, I guess. Adam Thielen was the lead receiver for seven catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. And then the problem here becomes Chuba Hubbard was your second best receiver with five catches for 34 yards. Just disgusting. Defensively, Frankie Louvu, nine tackles, three TFLs, two sacks, hell of a night. 
Um, Xavier Woods had a great night as well, eight tackles. Derek Brown, a lot more of the same from last week with the exception of the TFL, seven tackles total for him. C.J. Henderson with seven tackles. Um, and, of course, everybody wants to highlight Brian Burns' night with the two tackles, um, no sacks, no sacks, no TFLs. However, you can make an argument that, that Frankie's first tackle, or excuse me, Frankie's first sack came um, in, in part to Brian Burns forcing Derek Brown to step up in, or excuse me, Derek Carter to step up in the pocket. 21 to 36 for him, 228 yards in the interception. Embarrassing enough, Taysom Hill was the fucking lead rusher. Nine carries for 75 yards. Taysom Hill, a backup quarterback, was the leading rusher for the New Orleans Saints last night on Monday Night Football with nine carries for 75 yards, 8.3 yards a carry. And really that 75 could have been 100, if not more. With a touchdown. With a touchdown because the effort – the last play of the game, with the exception of the kneel, the effort was piss poor to get off the field. And he slid down and bounced to end the game. Pathetic. Chris Olave, six catches for 86 yards, really held him in check. I thought he would do a little bit more with JC being out, but the secondary did hold up relatively well. We'll talk about that a little more as well. Um, Michael Thomas was getting absolutely force fed, seven catches for 55 yards, nine total targets. Um, Raheem Shahid had the big bomb on Dante down the sideline at the end of the game. Four catches and 63 yards for him. Um, Demario Davis had seven total tackles. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore had one pass breakup and five tackles. Cam Jordan, four tackles. Um, no TFLs, no sacks, so he was held in check as well. <sighs> Um, let's start defensively because, you know, it, it, we're going to spend a lot of time on offense because it looks so terrible. And there's so many things to fix. From a defensive perspective, I thought we played solid. Yeah. So it's, to me, I thought we played extremely solid. Yeah, I, I thought the defense played well. I mean, you hold the team to six points uh, with five minutes left in the third quarter. Like, at that point, your offense has to put points on the board. There's no reason why your offense shouldn't have a touchdown uh, with more than half the game already played. Like, that, that is simply embarrassing in itself. Um, defense got off the field, first possession, uh, allowed us to put points on the board first, um, got a turnover. I think that Xavier Woods had, had a great game, in my opinion. He had a phenomenal yeah, game. Yeah, I went and watched – like, I was, I was watching film – and he bailed Dante Jackson out a lot yesterday. Um, simply just the ball gets in the air. Uh, he, he's tracking it. He's making the receivers pay for going up to try to make those kind of catches. He popped Chris Olave one time. I don't know how he didn't really end up out the game. This was in the back of the end zone. Popped him in the air. Uh, had a big deflection on uh, Michael Thomas because if he wasn't there, Dante was cooked. Um, and I'm looking at film and I mean, Dante Jackson is just getting ate up by Michael Thomas, really just getting ate up by Michael Thomas. But I mean, it, the, the announcer was trying to gas it saying that he was playing solid. He really wasn't. 
Yeah, I he, heard that he, too. He he really wasn't. I heard that too. And and you know, to me, again, I didn't get to watch the all twenty two, so I wasn't able to focus individually. But to me, he was gassing. Yeah. And I told you last night, I don't know, uh I believe it was on the car ride back. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, in, in years prior, we seen Dante Jackson be able to rely on his speed. So the 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 bomb down the, the sideline that we saw in the fourth quarter hasn't really occurred against Dante Jackson too much because he's been able to rely on his makeup speed. So he's been able to cheat and look in the backfield at times. He's been able to cheat and jump on a, a hard stop and go and still make up for it. Unfortunately, with the Achilles injury that he suffered last year, it seems as though that's no longer the case. And so now what I need to see throughout the duration of the season is A, Remain healthy because that has been a positive. He hasn't gone out at all. <laughs> so, you know, that's a starting point. And B, get better in your technique. Because when you start losing that speed, you have to just become a better mechanical player. Yeah. So that's what I need to see from Dante Jackson. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Frank had, had a hell of a game, uh, was the best player on defense. Uh, last night, I think when Kamu came in for Shaq, he played extremely well. Um, I would have liked to see him before Shaq even got injured. We discussed that last week, but I think he came in and he played well. Um, obviously, he's not going to be a Shaq Thompson going forward, but um, if he can continue to to get better week in and week out, uh, keep that level of play up, um, we, we lose some in the run game, I think, because, you know, Shaq likes to come down and be a run stuffer. But I think we uh, we don't lose extremely much because the type of player that Kamu has been over the past couple of weeks, dating all the way back to training camp. So I, I think he played well. Um, yeah, the, the defense looked solid. Like I said, you hold the team to that many points going uh, back into the third quarter, like your offense has to help you out. Um, it's just when Taysom Hill gets in the game – in my head, I'm automatically thinking run. You have to like let I, I I'm okay with him beating me with a pass, but you got to show me that you got to show me that before that's something that I that I commit to. But he would just get the ball, um, little RPO action, but he'd take off every time, and really just gassing the defense like that, which I didn't really understand. But I mean, other than that. Um, I thought the defense played solid throughout the duration of the game until obviously it gets to the back end of the game and your offense can't stay on the field long enough to to keep your defense somewhat uh, unwinded. So, I mean, that's when stuff just starts to break down. But that all of that shoots back to the offense not being prepared, the offense not moving the ball, and that ultimately shoots back to play calling their front right. But other than that, I thought the defense played extremely well. Yeah, I, I think that I totally agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, like we said, they forced a turnover. My biggest thing, my biggest red flag, I would say, going forward is we have to get better in the run game. Yep. We have to get a lot better in the run game because, you know, even when we get these stops, it looks cute in the stadium, but then you go back and you watch film and you look at it, they're still gaining three and a half, four yards on, on, on you know, on a run play where initial contact was made maybe within the first yard of the line of scrimmage. That just simply cannot continue throughout the duration of the, uh, of the season, 154 rush yards. That cannot continue. That's not a recipe for success. 
it's not it's not a recipe for success. However, I will say the defense did a hell of a job. Like you mentioned, you hold a team to six points with what you said three three minutes left in the third. It was like three or four minutes left in the third, it was six six. I mean, you know that 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 right there is. I mean, what else can you do? That's winning football. Yeah, that, from a defensive standpoint, that's winning football, like you just said. From a defensive standpoint, I'm I'm sitting on the sideline like, what more can we do? Because it's not like we're getting put in the best positions. You know, our conditioning can only be so good. But when your offense starts to go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, punt, 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 it's just like, I mean, God damn, we can't even, the oxygen mask can't even help us. So I think they did, a, I mean, you know, a couple of people were, had a lot to say about our defense and some of the things that we had going on. To me last night, watching the game live and then watching film, I think the defense played great. Yeah. I think the defense played great with the exception of a couple plays. I mean, it was some something like the one-handed catch by Chris Olave. I mean, I think, who was that, Dante that got burnt on nah, that play that was, too? that was CJ. That was CJ? Yeah. That to me was phenomenal coverage. Yeah. Like, everybody in our section low-key was tweaking on CJ. But I was like, bro, like, I, I mean, you that's phenomenal coverage, bro. Yeah. Like, that's just a hell of a play. Like, he's just elite. Because like, he smacked his arm and everything. And everything. Like, yeah. there's nothing more that you can do on that, on that play. So, with the exception of a couple plays, you know, bullshit like that, the whole whole game, pretty much, you bend but don't break. Yeah. Until it's unbearable. Do you have something to say? I was just gonna say he's simply better than you. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, I mean I that's mean, just the reality of the yeah. situation, and that's the NFL. That's the NFL. I mean, you're gonna get matchups where somebody is just simply better than you, and it don't matter how bad you want it. It don't matter how hard you play. His his talent level is just far more superior than yours is. Yeah, and, and that's what it was on that play. And I also think that Jeremy Chan played a great game the time that he was on the field. Let's because, go get into it. Yeah, because it he had a big deflection at the uh at the line of scrimmage. He was supposed to come in on a blitz. He had great play awareness, realized he wasn't gonna get home on a blitz, so just dropped back, smacked the ball down. He possibly could have picked it, but he did his job by smacking the ball down. He had a lot of big hits, great tackles. Yes, um, sir. Yes, Because Taysom Hill should have gave that bitch up when he got he popped to. on that uh, goal line. He wanted to. Yeah, he should have gave that shit up because Jeremy Chin really came in and popped his ass. But I think that, yeah, like like what you have in the notes, he simply has to play more than 35% of the snaps because the time that he is on the field or the time that he was on the field this past week or yesterday, he looked good. And so I solid. yeah, I, I don't really under like I don't really understand that, but I mean, I don't know. I, I guarantee you, you see an increase in Jeremy Chin's snap count now, especially with Shaq Thompson going down. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm, he he hate he doesn't like playing linebacker though, right? No, he doesn't no. like playing. Safety. Yeah, he, he likes playing. Oh, okay, he so likes I mean, playing hybrid. He he yeah. likes being a hybrid. He love that shit. So yeah. the drill shit is the perfect opportunity to bring him on the field. I agree, and he and, and you know you can make the argument that. You know, because you don't want him in the game and, you know, dead giveaway passing situations, you don't want him to be a liability in coverage. Okay, cool. But they didn't throw the ball enough for him to only be on the field for 35% of the defensive snaps. Yeah. They 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 just simply didn't throw the ball in, enough for that to be an issue. And really, at some point, and you guys know how vocal I've been in regards to Jeremy Chin and his ability to cover. I think that that's the biggest flaw on him 
if the Panthers don't decide to re-sign him towards the end of the year or they decide to move on from him before the trade deadline, I think that you can look at that as a direct reflection. However, at some point, you just got to put your best players on the field. Yeah. At some point, that's all it comes down to. Like we just talked about, from a talent standpoint, he's better than a lot of people. <laughs> he's better than a lot of people. And and as a coaching staff, it's your job to make a, build a scheme around your players, not try to fit your players into a scheme. You're not trying to put a square into a circular hole. Exactly. Yeah, that's and, on the coaching staff for and, sure. And I think I think Everroll, he will. I, I think he'll fix that. Uh, as solid as he's been coaching uh, this season, like the defense hasn't had bad games. Um, it's just simply the offense can't keep you in the game. So I, I think that that's something that he'll definitely work around this week. Because like you said, Jeremy Chin just has to be on the field. Like he doesn't have to be on the field every snap, but he has to play more than thirty five percent of the snaps. Like he ha- he has to. Yeah. Because, like you said, the the whole – I mean, bro, I'm, I'm telling you all right now, <coughs> when you put Jeremy Chen, you put Brian Burns, and you put Frankie Louvu on that field together, it's, it's something different. Yeah, it's just a fast defense. Those are elite, like, fast players. Like, yeah. And they, and they come in the stretch sheet. Yeah, like, you those guys have to be on the field together a lot more than what we seen last night. Yeah, because, I mean, you can even tell – you can just tell when when you're in the when you're watching the game. I mean, it's not even something that you can that you have to watch film for. It's not something that you gotta look overwhelmingly deep into. Let it just let the eye test tell you. You turn on the game next Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings, turn on the football game, and when those three players are on the field, you look at the way the defense looks when they're on the field together and when they're not, and you can tell a significant difference. Because they both, they all three fly around. They all three ready to crash out. And they're all three very, very, very intelligent football players. The IQ is there. The speed is there. The physicalness is there. Excuse me, the physicality, my apologies, is there. I don't, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't get it. You know, they, they asked a question of Frank Reich in a press conference. I don't know if that was today or yesterday about uh, Jeremy Chen's snap count. You know, and they try to give him an out and saying, did they want to have Troy Hill on the on the field more? Uh, is that his name? Yeah, Troy, Troy yeah, okay, Hill. Okay, cool, yeah. They wanted to have him more on the field just because passing situations, whatever. I don't shoot him that bell. I don't shoot him or EJ that bell. Um, we, we need to see more Jeremy Chin. And y'all know how I felt about him, you know, during the draft and, and some of the statements that I made in regards to us potentially moving on from him or whatever. Cool, we done passed that. He's still on the roster, so we need to utilize him. We need to utilize him. Because it's not like, you know, it's not like he's one of the ones with an injury problem. It's not like he, he's an overwhelming liability. You're not going to sit here and tell me that that Jeremy Chin can't guard Jawan Johnson. You're just not going to be able to tell me that. I hate, uh, I mean, you're just not going to be able to tell me that. You're not going to be able to tell me that. So we have to see more more from Jeremy Chen, more reps designated to Jeremy Chen. I called last week for Etor Gross Matos to get more reps, and we saw him make an impact this week. No matter if you love him or hate him, and y'all know it's been a love-hate relationship for me for, you know, since, since the nigga started getting reps on a regular basis. 
but I called for him to get more reps. He got more reps. He made an immediate impact. So maybe it's just a, 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 a filling out process with your personnel. You know, we finally saw Justin Houston get involved as well yesterday. Him and Etor Gross Matos combined for that half sack. Um, I want to say that was in the third quarter. So, you know, that was great to see. But we need we need more Jeremy Chen. We I need agree. more. We need more Jeremy Chen. Um, the secondary. I, I mean, as a whole, you know, I don't want to continue to be the dead horse, but I think the secondary played a hell of a game. I think Troy Hill played great. I think C.J. Henderson played great. I think Dante Jackson played solid. You know, with the exception of those two bombs, one to Alave and one to Raheem Shahid, to end the game. Well, not to end the game, but to put him in scoring position in the fourth quarter down the sideline against Dante, you know, with the exception of those, there really was nothing really to write home about. Michael Thomas made another big-time catch. And then, you know, you also have to take into account that this wide receiver core that we were playing against is very, very solid, very good, a, a, a very, very good receiving core. Now, this it's not the receiving core that you're about to uh, play against Sunday. And I said Minnesota earlier, my apologies, it's against Seattle. It's not that. It's not DK, JSN, and Tyler Lockett. But it's solid. It's solid. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think that everybody played well defensively. I feel as though there's still things that we can work on. There's still things that we're going to have to clean up. But at the end of the day, defense did enough to win the football game. And unfortunately, this has been the story with the Carolina Panthers for nearly a decade to a decade and a half now, where your defense plays well enough to win a football game and your offense doesn't do enough to get it done. Dunk made a great point on his, you know, on his live stream after the game last night. It, it, it really dates all the way back to Super Bowl 50. The defense in Super Bowl 50 played a phenomenal game. Held Peyton Manning to what, 138 yards, 136 yards, forced multiple turnovers. And then, you know, the high-power offense, Superman, MVP, everything like that, there's nowhere to be found. So, you know, it, it, it's something that we've had to deal with for a long time, and unfortunately it's become a regularity. And, and so now it's just like, what, what, what more can you do from a defensive standpoint? What more can you do? Um, let's see. Getting to the offense and – we, we kind of addressed this already, not even kind of. We dove all the way into it from a play-calling standpoint. It just has to be better, bro. And, like, I'm, I, I really, like, I'm not emotional about the loss at all last night. I think, you know, sometimes what pisses me off is when I have to listen to these guys talk after the game, specifically Matt Rule and Frank Reich, when I had to listen to Matt Rule talk. And now I'm, I'm seeing a lot of similarities with him and Frank Reich which is not good to me. That triggers me, like, honestly. That triggers me. That that triggers me. It really does, right? So that's where I think a lot of my anger comes from. Um, so I'm not really emotional about the loss. I understand the position that we're in. Oh, and before we move past defense, if you don't know already, Shaq, Shaq Thompson is out the remainder of the year with a broken fibula. I mean, Deshaun Williams. Matter of fact, I I, I shouldn't do that, right? I mean, that's not that's not good. Call a spade a spade. Uh, on the play, Shaq Thompson got hurt. Um, Deshaun Williams, uh, after the play was over, 
he gets into it with a Saints lineman and kind of hip tosses him and throws him onto the back of Shaq Thompson's leg. Like, that's just what it is. It was a physical play, but at the same time, as we do want to see you play physical, you got to know when to channel that shit, especially when things like that happens. And now Shaq Thompson is out for the season. In which, like, if Deshaun Williams sees this pod, like, I don't want it to be to a point where it's like I'm condemning him or talking down on him because he, quote, unquote, got Shaq Thompson hurt. But, I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. Because I felt like it's a play that the ref could have threw the flag on. Like, because it... It, the, it, was, it was a lot. Yeah. It he, was excessive. He was already tackled. And then you just, like, I don't know if he... He bumped him a little extra. Something happened to where he just grabbed him and threw him. And you throw a 300-pound lineman on the back of someone's leg who's not bracing for contact um, when he's making a tackle, like, that shit is going to fucking snap. Yeah, that's and, a, I mean, immediate, dead, yeah. on, dead, on, dead on arrival. Yeah. That and, shit was bad, too. And that's exactly what happened. So, it's like, as we want you to play hard, certain times, like, you got to channel that shit and not make bonehead decisions. And that's what happened. And, unfortunately... It cost Shaq Thompson his season, so. The position that we're in. Yeah. You have something? Come on, Williams. You got to play better than that, baby. Control chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Pretty much. Know, pretty much. Um, Play calling. Play calling is just subpar. I mean, we're not going to dive much, much deeper into it. You know, we gave Frank Reich a whole 25, 30 minutes to start the podcast off. I didn't intend for that to happen, but I knew it was because I knew that me and Terrence – we're both extremely frustrated with the product that we saw last night. Um, and, and and I know it's just not us. I know it's just not us. I mean, I know that at, at some point or another in the stadium on national TV on Monday Night Football with your rookie starting quarterback who's still starting to gain confidence, I know the Boo Birds came out at some point or another, second or third quarter. Now, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure a, a certain percentage was geared towards Bryce Young, which I would just make the argument that you're just unintelligent from a football standpoint. But I know a good amount and a good percentage was geared towards the play calling and the shit product that we had to sit through last night. Yeah. Um, and, oh, go ahead. I, I was just, can we talk about that a little bit, though? Bryce Young and his production as the starting quarterback? Just in. We from, have to. From what I'm seeing right here, because if. You know, I, I if I pull up the stats, right, C.J. Stroud yesterday, or on Sunday, excuse me, 384 yards and two touchdowns with a 103.5 passer rating. You know, C.J. Stroud was supposed to be slow in the head. But then we look over in Carolina, and we have Bryce sitting at, what, I believe 153? Was, yeah. And one touchdown with an 87.1 passer rating, and he also lined up behind the guard at one point in time. But CJ was supposed to be the slow one, you yeah. know. And then we have Anthony Richardson, who didn't even finish the game, only threw for 56 yards on Sunday, but left the game with two touchdowns in the short time span that he played. I think he may, maybe played a quarter and a half and was, for a quarter and a half of football, was more productive than Bryce Young's really entire two games. Yeah. So, well, I, you can definitely make that argument. Yeah. I, I would challenge that by that sounds phenomenal. That sounds great. And that's why you can't look at stats and let it tell the whole story. Because, I mean, if I was to look at that, I'd be like, oh, yeah, Bryce Young is not – he's not that. We should have went in another direction. But then I cut on film, and, like, 
the plays that was there, other than a few misses here or there, obviously, he's a rookie. I'm pretty sure C.J. Stroud had those. I'm pretty sure Anthony Richardson had those where you just miss a receiver and, you know, it happens. But Can I cut you off? The problem is that's happened too many times. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to bash Bryce Young because I think it's way too early. I think it's way too early. I see a lot of people in the fan base turning their back on him already. A lot of them people that were like me early in the process that wanted C.J. Stroud. A lot of them people are coming back and, and doing all this talking about this. Is why I wanted Stroud, et cetera, et cetera. Just chill. So I don't want to bash him, but it is a problem because we've seen Bryce Young miss. Four or five of these deep balls where the receiver has won the route. And that's a very rare instance with this receiving room right now with them winning routes. Very yeah. rare. And and also to second that, like, or well, to add on to that, it's not like CJ Stroud's receiving core is that much better than Bryce Young's either, nor his offensive line. You know, I would damn near argue they're about the same, if not a little bit worse. I mean, he's throwing two fucking Nico Collins and John Mechie and Tank Dell, who's a rookie. I mean, you, DJ Chark, Adam Thielen, and Jonathan Mingo, who's a rookie, and Terrace Marshall. Yeah, and if and, I can... And Terrace Marshall, go, I'm going to let you go, but Terrace Marshall, I mean, I don't know what... I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I don't even know if I seen them... I don't even know if I seen the nigga in the game yesterday. Nah, and that's got, a problem. He got in, like, one play. And, he, and, and you want me to tell you what? I, it was more than one play. And the problem is we didn't know that it was more than one play. Yeah. But go ahead and go and, and, and go with your what's your thought. My apologies. Yeah. So I would say that I mean, it's easy for both of y'all to have those stances. And I can promise you, and I know for a fact, that y'all aren't breaking down CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson's film as you're breaking down Bryce Young's film. Cause I guarantee you if you go look, they miss some balls. I can guarantee I can almost put my life on that. They missed some balls. And I looked at the film and a lot of the routes that are quote unquote open, they're really not. Because the balls that Adam Thielen caught, yes, those balls are open. Other passes where he tried to get it to him, the corner it are on their fucking hips. And pick through, that he threw the pick yeah, that wasn't that, a pick. That nigga wasn't. That nigga that was, was on his fucking. Yeah, ass. yeah. Was in his fucking pocket. He was in his pocket. Yeah, that and shit was bad. That you, shit was bad. That shit as was bad. much as the announcers like like the dick rod and stuff, like they actually had this shit right on outside routes. We can't fucking win them. We can't win them. I haven't seen. I didn't see a receiver damn near win an outside route the whole game. And if you go and look at it a little bit further. If, if someone is just blindly looking at the game and they're like, oh, that nigga's open, he should have threw the ball to him. But that's after the play is already broken down, after plenty of uh, seconds have gone by, they're, they're winning routes. I, I don't want to – because I know an average play is not that long. But they're winning routes at the very tail end of the play when the pocket is already breaking down. And so it's like now I have to maneuver – and move around the pocket. So that route that you're quote-unquote winning is not even a, a winning route anymore. Because now I, I I have to... You're like my fucking fourth option now. Because I don't went through my progressions. You didn't win when I looked at you. But now that I'm, I'm getting pressured and I'm rolling out of the backfield, that's when you're quote-unquote open. And I've seen a lot of that throughout the, uh, throughout the Saints game. I mean, I'd agree with you. 
I'd agree with you. There is some of that as well. But I will also maintain the stance or I will establish the stance on this podcast that Bryce Young has a problem with holding on to the football for too long. He does. So that's why, you know, when I hear with fans walking out talking about this is the worst offensive line that we've seen, I have to sit back and challenge that because I think that the offensive line is playing fine. I think they're playing well. But we have to get the football out. But in that same breath, we can go back and look at play calling and and say that there's no gadget plays being installed. There's no plays that are being set up to set something up later on in the game. A lot of this shit just looks like we're just running plays to run them. Uh, Did you make that point last night? What? That we just run plays to run them. It might have been dumb. I I don't know. All these conversations, they'd be running together. So, two things. One... To like bring it back around to the other quarterbacks, they they are there are throws that they miss, but I see them make a lot more plays than I see Bryce Young make so far in these short sample size. But so far, I've seen them make more plays than they've missed for their teams. And now, on top of that, with Bryce Young, something that I see when watching, and this is without an in depth look at it and not watching the all twenty two, but to the naked eye, it just looks like he's very unsure in his decision making when he rolled out and he fumbled. He kind of halfway, he got out of the pocket, but then he pulled up a little bit, and that gave the defender time to track him down, ultimately leading to a fumble. He had another one where he scrambled out to his left, um, and he looks like he's about to run for it, and then he sees defenders closing in, so he pumps, he slows down again, and then he throws the ball, and it's third down. You know, we're punting now. Yeah. And I just see too much of that with Bryce Young. I just see he just seems a little too unsure in himself. His decision making. Yeah, and I, I think that 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 makes sense. It's like when and we talked about that last week. Even from a defensive standpoint, when you you have to commit. Like if that's where if that's where you're gonna go, you have to go there with the ball. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to a play, that's when you have to go ahead and and commit. And that goes for all aspects of the game, offense and defense. But to go to your point about holding the ball too long. Yeah, we we can say he holds the ball too long, but then we also say that receivers don't win routes. So it's a it's a collaborative effort of both. Because if you're not if you're not going to win a route, then obviously I'm going to hold the ball too long, and so that's when I'm going to get sacked. And if I'm getting hit from the blind side because my left tackle, who false started, still got fucking beat like he's been doing, getting beat in training camp and preseason, then that's when we have turnovers. And then as a as a quarterback, if the, the pressure is coming, you can't – at some point you just got to go ahead and take the sack because another one of the fumbles that he had, the pressure was coming, and then when it got in his face, that's when he tried to throw the ball, and I looked in the nigga eyes and he closed his fucking eyes <laughs> and tried to throw it. And so that's when he got sacked and the shit came out. And and that goes to that lack of confidence that he's playing with. I mean, if you can't even trust yourself to throw the fucking ball with your eyes open and you're in the National Football League, the number one overall pick, I mean, what are we what are we really doing? The quite simply it can be summed up as it's dysfunctional. The receivers aren't on the same page, the quarterback's not on the same page, the offense. At all three levels, it's extremely dysfunctional, and that's extremely disheartening and discouraging as a Carolina Panthers fan knowing that you brought in an offensive-minded head coach, a former quarterback, and not only that, you also have a quarterback coach who played for every every <laughs> team in the NFL 
and has backed up every single star famous quarterback ever and can't get the shit right. That's that's insane. Yeah, and I, I think it all comes full circle. Like you said, it, it's a collective effort of play calling, receivers not winning routes, him not committing to routes that are won, him not committing to his initial throws that he wants to make. And then I all think I think it brings full circle back to the delusional sorry ass fan base fan base who then goes in and calls for his head when shit like that happens, but fails to acknowledge everything happening around him. And not trying to shoot him any bell, which it might sound like I am, but at the same time it's like the offense just sucks as a whole. So if the offense sucks as a whole, I'm not I'm not expecting my quarterback to have a great game when the offense as a whole is terrible. Like, I don't know when you're ever going to see a game where the quarterback is having a great game, but everybody else sucks. Like, that's just not going to happen. So that, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now with Bryce Young, with the receivers, with Frank Wright and his play calling. Everybody sucks right now. Dan Orlowski made a great point. He was on, um, he was on Pat McAfee's uh, on the Pat McAfee show this morning. Um, and, you know, they were they were just talking about Bryce Young and how he's looked so far. And, you know, summing it up, if you, you know, four, four and a half, five-minute clip, uh, if you're on Panthers Twitter, you may have seen it floating around. Um, but, again, summing it up and paraphrasing, for one, there's no weapons around him. And so what he said, you know, I didn't like it. But it may be the reality, you know, They he said that he has about a year and a half to a two-year window before he starts playing his best football. And that's all going to be reliant upon the Carolina Panthers going out and getting him an actual receiver. Because, I mean, let's just think about it for a second. <clears throat> let's just think about all the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's just think. We don't even have to look at elite quarterbacks. Let's just look at good quarterbacks, decent quarterbacks. But we'll start from the top. Cool. We'll X Lamar Jackson out of this conversation because that's your outlier. Outlier as it pertains to what, weapons? Yeah. Yes. Because I would say he doesn't really need those weapons because he's a fucking runner. Yeah, and he, and he, doesn't, and he hasn't had them. But even Lamar currently has better weapons. And really, and actually, I'll take that back because I'd say Mark Andrews is a better receiver than any receiver in the current wide receiver room for the Carolina Panthers. And, and Zay Flowers is looking like one, too. And Zay Flowers is looking like a demon right now, too. So, we okay, cool. So, we'll start there at Lamar. We go to the team that we played against last night with Derek Carr. He has four. Because, I mean, we can, we can look at it if y'all want to look at it. Raheem Shaheed can win routes. He can catch the football. He's extremely quick. You don't have anybody on the Carolina Panthers right now that can do that. Michael Thomas, we already know. We like to make the joke, that slant boy, but at the end of the day, he a killer. We hate to admit it because it's a divisional foe, but he a killer. Chris Olave, we don't even need to talk on it. And Jawan Johnson, as a receiver, is elite. Cool. Maybe you can make the point that Desmond Ritter, not so much, but he's not even he's not even in that good or decent tier that I've that I was referencing. We'll go over to the defending NFC champions. Jalen Hurts, year two. Yes, AJ Brown already had Devontae Smith. 
Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, he had all of these weapons at his disposal. Joe Burrow, same shit. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. Josh Allen, Stephon, uh, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, just all around. Isaiah McKenzie played a huge role last year. All, I mean, no matter where you go, in order for a quarterback to reach that elite status, even for him to reach that good status, i.e. a Kirk Cousins, Justice, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen last year. This year, Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, Jordan, Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson, Kyler Murray when he was going fed, Nunk, Goddard, well, excuse me, not Goddard, Zach Ertz. Kurt. Christian Kirk, before he got he went to Jacksonville, will go to Jacksonville. Christian Kirk, Zay, even though you know Zay isn't the fastest receiver, but his hands are extremely reliable. He can win routes. He's not an elite route runner, but he can win routes. Now Calvin now Ridley. Calvin Ridley. So they even they had about two or three already down there, and they knew they needed another one. So they went and got another one. So the list continues to go on and on. So the list that we were ref- that we talked about in you know, to, to for about twenty twenty five minutes, about two months ago, with the receiving core being the worst in the NFL, it, it looks about right. Yeah, it, it's true, and it looks I about right. I think what what you're saying really all boils down to the reason why we drafted Bryce Young, because what all of the experts and analysts were saying is that those guys like C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Like they're gonna they're gonna look good now, but like Dan Dan said that, and all of the analysts and experts said Bryce Young is gonna be the best quarterback years down the road, and I, I think that goes back to why we really drafted him. So I mean, shit, right now it's it's gonna look fucked up. I mean, you you have you have shit. I mean, it's shit around. A good quarterback talent, in my opinion, but it's like that's not gonna really, that's not gonna really make him look good. Like I don't know what, you know. And I, I got you. I got you. Um, another thing he mentioned, why he said that year and a half to two year window, is because he said the the play calling is not gonna get it done. He said that dink and doink shit that we're trying to do, and, and obviously he didn't say. You know, I'm paraphrasing. But he said that dink and doink shit that we're trying to do does not work in the modern NFL. And I would have to echo the same sentiment. Frank Reich, the offense that they're trying to run does not work in the NFL where you get two and a half, three yards on first down. You get three, four yards on second down to make it a third and manageable. And then you hit a little hook route or a little hitch or a little curl or a flat. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Go ahead. That's what we call a Jason Garrett special right there. That used to drive me insane because that was the same type of offense he used to run. It's disgusting. Jason yeah. Garrett and Scott Linehan, oh, my God, I want to put my hands on them to this day for that. <laughs> but um, I de- that kind of speaks to a deeper issue with the organization, though. Do you trust the Carolina Panthers as an organization to put the proper pieces around Bryce Young to develop him into the quarterback that he has the potential to be but might – not ever get the chance to show it, at least not in Carolina, because even you can look at this same Carolina Panthers team with their quarterback from last season and Baker Mayfield, who looks completely different now that he's down in Tampa Bay with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You took the words right out of my mouth because that's the exact 
uh, direction I was going, not to cut you off, but I mentioned it to you last, last night. night. I yep. said if you, I said if Bryce is on another team with legit weapons, I think that he would look better than C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson. And I said you can take the Baker Mayfield situation to where he left and went and got Mike paired up with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and he out there making fucking Patrick Mahomes throws. So my thing is, it's a it's a like you said, it's a fucking organizational standpoint. Like, okay, so let's pause right there. It's a deeper, darker conversation that we almost touched into last week with Scott Fitter because he asked a question, and I was about to answer it extremely directly. He asked a question: Do you trust the Carolina Panthers organization to get the shit done and to bring in the weapons to get it done? And you know, if I have to give my honest answer, I don't. Because we saw Cam Newton suffer for years and years and years over a decade of mediocre play, and the one weapon that they that they had, you know, him and, him and Steve Smith, they bumped heads or whatever, and then after that, Cam Newton never got another weapon, bro. They tried with Kelvin Benjamin; they tried their best. Yeah, <laughs> he looked good for his rookie for his rookie, rookie. year. Towards ACL, that was the end of that. Got fat and got shipped off. You know, I I can't even say they made a valiant effort with Devin Funches, and that's my dog. I love Devin Funches, like real rap. That's my nigga, but he he won't live in like that. Fast forward, yeah, you had DJ Moore for an ample amount of time, but DJ Moore had nobody really to take the pressure off of him. He never really got a chance to play with a good quarterback. So you know, and and, and that's completely gone out of the window now. Cause you had to move him to go get Bryce. It's like they fill one hole, and then two more appear. Yeah, yeah, that, it, that's it's, the problem. It's disgusting. And the reason why I can say as confidently that I do, the answer is no, is because if you look at the Brian Burns situation, you can tell that this 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 organization lacks competence. You can tell that the organization lacks competence. I'm not sure if you guys have been on Panthers Twitter or Facebook or been on Bleacher Report or Instagram or anything, but contract negotiations between the Carolina Panthers and Brian Burns has halted, or have halted, rather. That's not good. But I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because we still do have 16 more weeks in this current season. But that's not good. I just want to let y'all know. I see a lot of y'all on Facebook being extremely vocal. Extremely vocal about what y'all feel he he deserves and what he doesn't. Well, they've already said, uh, you said we have 16 more weeks left. They've already said that the contract negotiation, negotiations are completely off until the end of the, the, end season. Of the season. And, yeah. and, and I told and, you I think he walks. Yeah. I mean, and, and I echo that sentiment. Yeah. I don't know what, what incentive he would have to stay. Yeah, I showed you on numerous occasions that I wanted to be a Carolina Panther. I went to training camp. Again, this is just JJ's theory. I went to training camp because y'all led me to believe that we would have a deal done by the end of the summer. I went to training camp and was a great teammate because I knew my brothers needed me and I knew that I'd take this defense to another level. Every step of the way, I showed you that I'm a team player and I want to buy in. But then when it's time to pay me, we want to act uh, we want to act shady, so okay, cool. Don't worry about it. I met Lucci last night. Didn't seem like he going for that bullshit. 
Don't seem like he going for that bullshit. So Carolina Panthers fans, this is just a public service announcement. If them, if them, if Brian Burns negotiation talks does not pick back up by week six, week five or six, which we're under the belief that they won't, be prepared for you to start hearing them rumors again like you did last year about the Carolina Panthers potentially moving on from Brian Burns because we got offered two first for him last year and now we don't have any first this year coming up, nor do we have a first the following year. So be prepared for that. Be prepared for it to hit the end of the season and Brian Burns still doesn't have a contract and he decides to hold out or he decides to walk. And he decides not to play because they want to play the little franchise tag game and picking up this option and that option. Be prepared for that shit. The Carolina Panthers are going to make this very, very nasty and ugly. And I have to commend Brian Burns as well as, 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 well as Lucci because I feel like, and I, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give Carolina respect to in the sense that up until this point, they've made it very clean. It wasn't a distraction during the summer. Obviously, it was a conversation. It was never a distraction. But the Carolina Panthers are working very, very diligently to make this an ugly fucking going. Very, very ugly. Very ugly. Because what I can guarantee you is, should you decide to pick up his option, or should you decide that you're going to put the franchise tag on him, or however that shit go, the same respect that you were given this summer with, yeah, I need to be there for my brothers and, yeah, I need to be here because, you know, I'm, I'm confident in what we're doing. I think that we can be in the league. All of that shit goes out the window, brother. Hate to tell y'all. Hate to tell y'all. And, 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 you know, I can't do anything but look at the Carolina Panthers as an organization because it's like an organizational curse. Like I told y'all last week, we saw it with D-Will. We saw it with T.D., we saw it with Smitty. We saw it with Cam. When, when, you know, for whatever reason, the legends and the people that want to give everything to the city and give everything to this team, for whatever reason, when shit just don't look quite like it used to, the motherfuckers just become ungrateful. And it's very, very, very strange to me. It's very strange to me. And it's very strange that you would try this with somebody that's only in year four who just had a career year, who we believe will have another career year this season. Because I hate to tell y'all, though he was very quiet last night, he still had a sack and a half week one. So he's still tracking <laughs> to have another career season, which I thoroughly and genuinely believe he will. Because all that double teaming and sliding the pro here and doing all, all of that shit at some point is going on is going to go out the window. Because I saw a couple of different packages with Houston and YGM in on the same time. DB, he already wreaking havoc the whole season. All of that shit is going to change. And if he has a career year again this season, after shooting you bail and allowing you to fuck him over this summer, I mean, he might be asking for 30 right now, but he might be asking for 34 and a half next year. And he's going to ask you for that. And what he's going to do is he's going to ask you for that. And then when you tell him that you're not going to pay him that, he's going to go right down the road to either Atlanta or New Orleans 
or Tampa Bay or somebody in the NFC that can pay him a contender, and he's going to take 31 in a quarter. And then we're going to be sitting there with our dick in our hand because we thought that Justin Houston was going to be the answer. We thought YGM was going to be the answer. We thought a bum-ass nigga from Oregon and DJ Johnson was going to be the answer that we've seen absolutely nothing for. And, and, and I say that with all due respect because, you know, they told me that you were a rookie and I need to give you time, but he ain't, he ain't got no reps in a, in a game yet. So I can only assume the coaching staff feels the same way I do. You tried the same shit with Hassan Reddick going back to the Brian Burns point. You tried the same shit with Hassan Reddick. You called his fucking bluff. He called you on your bluff, went to the Philadelphia Eagles and became a top five pass rusher in the NFL. After doing you a service and giving you a prove-it year, he proved it to you, and yet you still didn't pay him. Let him walk. Then he went to a contender. And, you know, the following season, he was playing for a Super Bowl. The Carolina Panthers are going to make this very, very ugly. And I hate that I had to go on that rant like that. But I just want y'all to be prepared. Because a lot of y'all just look at what's exactly in front of you. And you look at the good times that we're going to have with Brian Burns being on the field. And you look at the good times that this defense is having right now, playing at an elite level, because Brian Burns is on the field. But what I need y'all to realize, like Tavian just said, when you fill the hole of wide receiver, because we all understand that hole will be filled next offseason. If you don't know, go do your research on the free agent class that's coming up, 2024 wide receivers. We hope it'll be filled. We hope it'll be filled. We hope it'll be filled. I can't even say it confidently that it will be filled. We hope. So right. then you might have even more problems on your hands because you did just ask that question directly. And I just told you no. So don't be surprised. Don't Carolina Panthers fan. I'm telling you, this is a PSA. And I know how y'all gonna get. I know how y'all gonna get. Y'all gonna start slandering that man's name and running his fucking name through the mud. Mm-hmm. Calling him all types of slurs. You know how y'all get. Talking out y'all ass. Ungratefulness. I know how y'all gonna get. So I'm preparing you right now so that y'all ease up. Because it's not him. It's not him. You can't be mad at anybody. And I was going to say you can't be mad at a nigga. But I don't even want to make that kind of, I don't even want to make it that kind of conversation. You can never get mad at anybody for asking for and or demanding what they feel as though they're worth. Especially when they have analytics to back it up. Especially when they have analytics to back it up. You got to pay them. You got to pay them. And if you don't pay them, now this defense looks a lot more different. So everything that you've been working on, you know, building the past three or four years with Brian Burns and Frankie Louvu emerging and J.C. Horn being brought in, you know. who Frank, Frankie's also a free agent, is he not? Frankie, Frankie is also up for a contract this season. Jeremy Chin, I believe his rookie deal is about to expire as well. So niggas got to get paid. But you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And if you bring it to Brian Burns and present, okay, cool, this is what we want to do. And if he tells you, no, you have to meet me here, and you guys still can get the deal done with X, Y, Z, that's what y'all need to do. Because if not, this shit is going to get very, very ugly. And Panthers fans, I want y'all to keep y'all's fucking mouth shut about Brian Burns. Because he did y'all every service every step of the way. 
every service, every step of the way. He never slandered the Carolina Panthers organization. When we turned our back on the team last year and then y'all began to come back around at the end, he never opened his mouth about that shit. When y'all slander his name, including myself, about not coming up big in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. against Tampa Bay, he never said anything about that. He never caused any issues at all during the summer, during training camp. He's not, he hasn't done anything wrong in this situation. He's kept everything clean, tight, and to the vest as it pertains to the negotiations, and the Carolina Panthers are trying to fuck him. And so when they fuck him and he walks, y'all keep y'all's fucking mouth shut. Because this is the organization that we decided to support, and this is the organization that continues to do this every step of the way, no matter who's in charge, no matter who's the general manager, no matter who the head coach is, no matter who the owner is, every step of the way, we call niggas on a bluff, and then they prove us time and time and time and time again that you, you made the wrong bet. So that's the end of that rant for me. I apologize. Um, what else? I'm about ready to wrap it up. Um, we still, I mean, we could damn near go a whole another 45 minutes on the offense. Another thing that's very alarming to me and why I said I was getting PTSD, you know, from Matt Rule and, and, and the significance and some of the similarities that I'm experiencing with Frank Reich, the undisciplined, the undisciplinedness. How, what is that word, Tammy? You, you, you can help me with my grammar sometime. What is the word? The, the, the motherfuckers being undisciplined. Simple. You don't even got to try and, try and help me. Everybody being undisciplined. We get the ball. I, I don't know if it was a turnover or what. We get the ball fourth inches. We decide we're going for it. Cool. We got some momentum. We flinch. For no reason at all, might I add. Yep. No reason at all. We flinch. So then, cool, now we got to force Eddie Panera to kick a career high. Thankfully, he makes it. Cool. Um, what else? The timeouts that we have in the burn because we can't get play calls in. Seen that twice in two weeks already. Um, you know, Frank Wright went on the stand last week and admitted that that was his fault. Very frustrating. Then this week we see the same thing. You know, third down, I believe it was, we're driving to that end zone. If you're looking from it from 544, driving to that end zone, third down, I believe it was, we were forced to call a timeout then for no reason. Um, you can go back to uh, the first drive of the game. Um, we were marching down the field. Then your boy, Channel Zavala, he false, false start. starts. Yep. That puts us back behind the sticks, and then it's an uphill battle from there. Now we're fighting from first and 15 instead of first and 10 while you're – while you're marching, and and, then you and, have to settle for a field goal. Yeah, and then and then it's very frustrating to hear your coach being frustrated because he's so again he, he's just so stuck on his pride and so stuck on it has to be his way that he's frustrated because we get a false start and then he decides to run the fucking football into the back of the offensive line. It's preposterous. It's preposterous. It's nothing short of that. Honestly, it's very confusing. It's very challenging. You know, it, it, me and Ta- me and Terrence, we always stay till the end of the game, right? And last night, I didn't expect that to be the you know be the case, but I commend the ones that did. 
because last night it was very, 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 very difficult to sit through and endure what we had to sit through and endure. Yeah. Because this offense is disgusting right now, simply. And if you think about it too long, it can become depressing. I will say y'all had it rocking in there last night. Oh, we was rocking. Yeah. Niggas was mobbing last night. Yeah, I will say that. Uh, Niggas was mobbing last night. I think that played a big part in, like, the defense playing the way they play. Like, it, it, it was really loud in there last night. The first time I ever seen that personally. Yeah, it was it, it was it was rocking in there for sure. And there was a lot of people in there, too. Yeah. It was it was deep in there last night. It was deep in there last night for sure. But, um, you know, that being said, you get the asses in the seats and then – what you proceed to do is I fuck them. You just proceed to I fuck them and, and, and just fuck their brain and just, you know, show show really just a lack of respect for, for the amount of money that we spend to get these tickets, the amount of money that we spend on, 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 on concessions and everything like that. Just a lack of respect and a, a lack of appreciation. Right? So what I predict is going to happen is that by week seven, when you come back from the bar, your attendance will probably be down twenty-five to thirty percent. And, and Dave Tepper is going to come back out and tell us that you know it was a sellout. We sold out X amount of games consecutively. But if you look in that stadium and you look on the TV, you'll be able to tell. You'll be able to tell. You know these, these stadiums and these venues—they lie about the capacity. And, you know, how many people they have and, and, and X, Y, Z. That shit is cute. How many assets are in seats? How much support are you getting on a week-in, week-out basis? And when we continue to lose, because, you know, we will have an episode dropping on Friday again this week of our Seattle Seahawks preview, and I will go ahead and foreshadow here a bit. I have us losing that game again. So you will be starting off 0-3. When you continue to lose and you're looking at 0-6 like Tavian predicted once we left training camp, you'll see you'll see what kind of energy and what time it is. And then, Frank Wright, you don't have a choice but to relinquish those duties. Because if I come out and I, and I sit in front of my TV on Sunday, because we've been on the road the first two weeks, so this is going to be the first week where I can sit back and chill on a Sunday and not travel even though the game was Monday night, still moving around, traveling and shit on Sunday. If we come back out and we look like we looked this past week, this week against Seattle, y'all will know what kind of season that we're in for. If you don't see more play actions, if you don't see that offensive line moving a little bit more, naked bootlegs, um, if you don't see a little more gadget plays, if you see no change this week within the Carolina Panthers in that offense, you know what kind of season you're in. So just prepare for the worst. I'm already prepared to give up my 1500 I already done lost that shit as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to owe my uncle about 300 I'm going to owe Tavian about four or 500 I'm going to owe a couple of niggas 100 for them 10 wins. I already know. I've already prepared for it mentally. So I just want to – I don't want to mislead off Panther fans because I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of loyal supporters. We got a lot of love last night. We appreciate it. So I don't want to mislead y'all. I'm just telling y'all to just be prepared for the worst because right now it doesn't look good. And this is not me panicking. This is me just being realistic. This is me being realistic. That's what I have to say kind of to wrap the pod up. Terrence and Tavian, if y'all have something to say, 
Um, you know, I would encourage a closing statement because we're not going to close it any music or anything. But um, that's what I have to say. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, um, and tune in on Friday morning. I mean, I don't really have anything to say. Um, I said what I had to say. Uh, we look fucking pathetic. Shit needs to get better, and it needs to get better ASAP. Appreciate y'all for tuning in.